Welcome to Fretknot with me, Rosie Bennett. Fretknot is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the champions in our field about the lessons that have most defined their careers and help us to figure out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realise that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, the makers of the original nylon string for guitar, my string of choice, and a company full of my favourite people in the guitar world. Check them out at augustinestrings.com. In today's episode, I talked to British guitarist Jack Hancher. Jack, what is a lesson you've learnt that has been the most meaningful to you? I think the one I'm going to go with is learning to be true to my musical instincts. I think finding the courage to sort of trust myself and my decisions has been really beneficial to sort of, especially in the last couple of years, making what other people might regard as mistakes, um, especially musically, because I think when, when you're at conservatoire, you get told what you should and shouldn't do a lot. And mm. I think, as I say, that a lot of decisions I think I make, which certainly my teachers have questioned, I think if you listen too much to what other people are saying you shouldn't do, then it, it restrains you. And I think in terms of trying to find your, your own voice, it's really detrimental because you end up sort of projecting what someone else feels rather mm. than what you're feeling. Finding the courage to sort of trust myself a bit more has been, been really useful. The reason I've chosen this is because... I did sort of make a conscious decision to try and change my playing a little bit against my instincts. Uh, because when I first started doing competitions, I can't remember when it was now, I did a couple of broads, like international ones. And I, mm. I went abroad for the first time and I heard a lot of players from, you know, outside of England for the first time. And most of the people who were getting to the finals or winning were, were all playing very fast, very clean. Most of them were double top guitars. And I sort of, you know, come on stage and I'm, you know, playing like an intimate Dowland fantasy or something and on a traditional guitar. I sort of felt after I'd done two or three of these that mm, I'm not sure what I'm doing is going to cut it if I'm going to try and get somewhere down this path. So then I, mm. I did sort of make an active decision there to sort of go away a little bit from what I was doing. And, and so I changed not only the music I was playing, I started playing music that didn't really appeal to me that much, if I'm honest, but I felt was necessary. I was prioritizing mm -hmm. all these things like playing louder and quicker and cleaner, which aren't the, the reasons I fell in love with the guitar. The reason I fell in love with the guitar is, is, is almost the opposite. It's the intimacy, it's, it's the quiet moments, it's the colors. I sort of realized after a few months of that, and by the way, I didn't really get any further in the next two comps I did trying to play like that. So it didn't work <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> so then I sort of went back to sort of more. Actually, the, the turning point is something I, I mentioned just before was was actually hearing two concerts. And I, I heard like very close together, actually. It was pretty much exactly at this point. I, I heard Pavel Steidl for the first time. And I heard Sean Sheba for the first time. And they were both playing how I've always wanted to hear the guitar played and as I say the, the focus was not on the you know how loud and fast and clean and all that they could play it was the focus was all on like the color and the musicality and the phrasing and, and getting it as much rich, like the most rich sound and like all these different colors and everything just 
everything they were both doing was what really appealed to me and just as I say were the things that made me fall in love with the guitar and you've seen those two players you know and they're obviously you know, in, incredible musicians and they're making careers from it and I'm sort of sat there thinking well yeah you can go that way mm. and still you know form a career from doing that and I was just sort of had this moment of, okay I don't actually need to do all this chopsy loud clean playing obviously mm -hmm. there's a place for it and I've got nothing against that sort of playing at all it's just not how I have ever really thought mm -hmm. about the guitar because in my opinion it's an intimate instrument no matter if it's you know if it's still a double top and it's a bit louder than the traditional it's still a quiet instrument compared to piano or you know any other solo instrument pretty much so a lot of people view these things as deficits but I actually think a lot of them part of the charm really of the guitar mm -hmm. say the the quietness and the int intimacy of it it's something that that really sort of fascinated me more and more in the last couple of years is trying to create the illusion that these things exist like things obviously we don't have volume and projection and sustain we, we don't have any mm -hmm. of that but I think trying to work on ways to create that illusion that they do exist is something that's really interesting interesting mm. to me it's interesting i i want to touch on that um compensation thing that we have going on in the guitar world it's really funny that we've lived in this world where we feel that we need to like search for that volume the real power and being able to fill a room instead of thinking about which are the things that we have that are a privilege and which are the things that we can actually do better because we can't mm. do those things you know and actually guitar has so many has so many qualities that used to really frustrate me when i was little the fact that i mean all those things just doesn't really feel like the the same shiny clean classical instrument that other instruments do um mm. and it's only as i've got a bit older that i realized actually we're so lucky because most people have a kind of a history with a guitar even if they've never touched one themselves guitar's always sort of a feature it's like the pizza that's always in the puzzle of the teenage mutant ninja turtles mm. and in a good way i think it feels familiar so i think when we talk about that intimacy it's not just in the sound in the qualities of the guitar itself but it's also in the in the things we can achieve with it, in the things we can do, the, mm. the different venues that we can play in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, just, just talking about the intimacy of it, I think for me, the, the most um, intense moments in a concert, as both a listener and a performer, are, are the really, really quiet moments. At that mm. point where you know, they're, 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 almost, you know, they're almost scared to move or to even make a noise breathing. You're playing that quietly that they're sort of like leaning in a bit to hear you play. Mm -hmm. That to me is, I think that's the way you can create real intensity with the guitar. Because I don't think you can really achieve it with, with just trying to play loud. I just don't think you can quite get there. I think, you know, when yeah. you compare to like a piano or a step through like full orchestra, they can create intensity just by literally blowing you away with a huge wall of sound. Mm -hmm. The guitar's never going to do that. So I think the way you can create that level of intensity is, is as I say, to do the, the complete opposite and have everyone sort of you know the other way like leaning in to really listen and they're the moments that I really enjoy on stage and and as a listener as I say when I was, say I'll, I'll go back to Sean and Pavel again those two aren't afraid to play quietly you know and they're as a listener as well I, I really find some of their playing intense in a, in a good way so mm. it's a different kind of intensity I guess I think you can really tell when an audience 
has their full attention on you. And I think mm -hmm. something that people really love about music is that it brings people together and there's this kind of aspect of community. And obviously you can feel community in a lot of different ways, but I think it's worth noting that when you go to hear an orchestra play, it's more community in the sense of being at an Ed Sheeran concert, like everything's happening. Mm. It's really loud. You feel kind of moved by the particles in the room. But I think that bringing people to that point of, like you say, maybe not being scared, but being completely aware of their body and having to breathe in a certain way and breathe slowly. Yeah. It's almost like you force this meditative experience on everybody. Um, mm. And in a way that's yeah. really lovely because then you create this kind of, this sort of group meditation. I've always prioritized trying to move someone rather than impress them, mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I'd much rather, you know, play a really, you know, nice melodic piece do what I can emotionally with it in, through phrasing and whatever to try and move someone rather than, you know, play some, you know, a guardo rondo or something and play it five times quicker than anyone ever has before. And not even one buzz sort of thing that doesn't interest me as much. Mm. So yeah, I've, I'm always more touched by comments afterwards that focus on the, the sort of the musicality rather than the technical side of it. I much prefer people come up to me and saying, Oh, you know, that was really moving, you know, that was really touching sort of thing, rather than how, how do you play like that sort of thing. <laughs> Those mm. doesn't bother me that much, to be honest. I much prefer yeah. the, the, the comments on the musical side of it. I don't know if there are many people who are looking to impress, actually. I mean, even in competitions, I think it's an it's a really odd one. I feel like our repertoire is a little bit skewed in that direction sometimes, but I don't think I know anyone really who's looking to impress. I actually I think we just maybe many people just don't align in which makes sense because our history is so weird and fragmented mm. and so mm -hmm. you have huge differences between different schools yeah. and like competition for us is just a completely different ball game than it is for violin mm. or something i mean i've been here to listen to the um queen elizabeth competition and every single one of them plays perfectly technically they also are all moving. Mm. Competition is a lot more elusive in other, mm. in other instruments because everybody, like I said, is playing perfectly and everyone's playing amazingly, super high quality music. Jack, what is the lesson you would like to impart? Again, it's something that's been really beneficial for me. Personally, I think musicians, no matter what age level, should have interests outside of music, like completely disconnected hobbies and mm. passions it's really important for me to experience things just completely away and separate from music and mm. to experience different emotions and live a life away from music as well so mm. that when I come back to music making I have something I can put into it and to express it means I'm never really in a state of being bored or worn down or sort of fed up with the whole process because mm. I constantly come back to it fresh, I suppose, almost, you know, daily. You know I me, mean? my main passion away from music is football. And mm. I'll do something football related pretty much every day as well, whether it's playing or watching. And mm. as I say, it's completely disconnected, or at least at the time when I'm invested in that, I'm not thinking about anything else, really. I always had that sort of joint passion of music and, and sport and fo football, the main one, basically. Mm. And um, 
you know, most of my friends back, well, all my friends back home, none of them are musicians. So whenever I go home now and see friends from back home, we don't talk music at all, mm-hmm. which is great because I, I, I completely switch off and they just see me as, you know, just some guy we went to school with. They don't see me as, as another musician sort of thing, which is really refreshing because, as I say, you're just completely switched off from it all. People always talk about the, the similarities between musicians and athletes and how they prepare physically and practically. But I actually, for me, the, the, the biggest similarity for me is on an emotional level. Because I mean, because I'm like fully invested in my team who I support. Like, you know, I support them. First game was four, you know, so it's been, mm-hmm. they've been part of my life. So like, I really am emotionally invested in, in, in Wolves when I go and watch them play. And believe me, if you're like a passionate fan, like you go mm-hmm. through just about every emotion in 90 minutes during a game and like emotions can change like that. They can, you know, drop of a hat, like you can be, you know, suddenly you, you know, you're one nil up, you're hanging on and then, you know, that feeling of joy when you score, but it can be snatched away, mm-hmm. especially at the moment with VAR, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but <laughs> Emotion can just change in a split yeah. second. Mm-hmm. But for me, a lot of football emotionally is about, it's, it's about the, the tension that builds up and then there's relief. And for me, there's so many similarities there with that and mm-hmm. music making. And the fact that I go through that emotion, you know, intensely every weekend, you mm-hmm. know, it, it really, it actually is, it's going to say, it's going to sound bonkers to some people, but it really is useful when I'm approaching things musically and like expressing things because like I've felt that emotion like if you've got to suddenly change the emotion quickly mm-hmm. and as I say all that tension release which we obviously you know we do a lot of in music it's really useful to experience that in a completely disconnected setting I guess. The similarities between sports and music it's a conversation that people have a lot a lot of the things that people take from that is the kind of the pressure and enjoying Mm. what you do but having this up and down relationship with it i was talking to laura snowden recently about Mm. injury and we were saying how lovely it would be if injury was seen the same in music as it is in sport which is with a bit less guilt there's still kind of this culture in in classical music at least that if you get injured it's your fault it's either you've been playing in this weird way with your arm or you've been playing too much and with athletes there's a bit less of that it's more Mm. oh there's this hamstring injury or torn a ligament or something and i think that's a change that i would like to see from sport music are there things that you've seen in sport that you think it would be nice if we adopted those Mm, that's a good question um i'd really have to think about that i can't think of anything immediately because i think for me that there is there is a line in terms of like it's completely different motive driving you i think Mm-hmm. I think with sport, it is about winning and about being the absolute best. I mean, that isn't <laughs> certainly not what drives me musically. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd, I'd really have to think about it. I'm sure there are some. Things that spring to my mind is like, I think the camaraderie would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, well, that's, yeah, I think that that's that's true. You mean like sort of the the, the togetherness and the, the team bonding sort of thing? Yeah. Well, again, I think I, I was, you know, outrageously fortunate having that growing up as well I've been playing in football team since I was about seven most of us stayed with the same team growing up until we were about 16 17 and we would go and play around the country and whatever various tours and little holidays together and that Mm. so we really had that like close bond as you say that you get in sport it's really fascinating I think actually growing up and having something where you can be part of a team where you're genuinely happy 
for somebody else to score a goal because they're on your team um, or you're genuinely happy to just you know maybe now when you return to it you know that you're grateful that for instance you have a you know people that you can just go and kick a ball around with those kind of things actually yeah yeah you realize the value of it later and um, i think it's really important that especially for musicians i think it should be obligatory for all musicians to have friends because <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or to talk to people um <laughs> but just basically because like otherwise your whole life becomes a competition and yeah it, i agree it, it shouldn't be that way i was talking about before about having things to express in music and i think the other reason i like having things that aren't related and doing a lot of other things is i'm i, I don't know about you but i'm not really someone who has a routine for practice Mm. Do, you, do you sort of ever wait do you, do you sort of have a routine about this is what i'm going to be practicing this day at this time do you do you work like that oh not like that really i've i've found how my brain works ish right so i have a bit mm. of an idea but yeah i well, see mine i don't have any schedule whatsoever mine's very spontaneous so mm. i think again just having things that sort of you know come up and say oh do you want to have a kick about this morning like if I'd had any practice schedule then I'd just be wiped out so I don't do it I just don't have one mm. and what I end up doing is it, it obviously changes from time to time because if you've got deadlines to meet and you need to learn this piece by this point then you need to be working on that a bit more but generally mm. when you're a bit freer with time I I just sort of work on within my within the rep I'm currently playing I just work on what I feel like playing that day and for me that's really helped musically because I always have my best ideas when I'm in that frame of mind, mm -hmm. uh, creatively. I mean, because I think for me, creativity doesn't come in routine. It comes with spontaneity. Mm -hmm. And I think if I sort of wake up and I, you, you must've woke up some days and think, oh, I'm really in the mood to play this piece today or some, something mm -hmm. like that. I can't really explain it, but you just get a feeling. Yeah. I'm in the mood to play this one. And then like, if I start working on that, then and thinking about it, musically then that's well often when i get most of my ideas and like feeling most creative and experimental and trying new things with it mm. so as i say i try to avoid the routine thing because i say i just don't i just never quite have that same level of imagination and creativity because i feel like mm. it's, it's more box ticking than anything else which isn't how i like to work so i quite yeah. like the fact that i feel free to say yes to things disconnected from music someone's like, oh, let's go and do this or that I'll be like yeah sure let's go if I'm free I'll mm. do it I I don't know I'm I guess I'm between minds about this now because I used to really struggle with being inspired or having motivation so I tried to do things that would be like how can I make a creative moment out of having a strict routine so that my brain is, um, I don't have any research to back this up at all, but I just had the idea that if your brain knows that you're going into sort of creative mode a certain time of day, perhaps a little bit like when you start to dream, your brain releases a chemical that allows you to be more creative mm -hmm. or, you know, um, or in your dreams, obviously, to hallucinate crazy things. Part of my routine that I try to do every day and do at the same time is to kind of face something that I'm really not good at. So I've been doing a lot of harmony work and mm. improvisation, which always scares me. Um, Stravinsky wrote this book and he was talking about how um, common people, 
Oh, but you know that's how people talked before um plebs are the kind of people who wait around for inspiration to come to them mm-hmm. he said people who really do this for a living make the inspiration themselves because they are the inspiration i was like okay that kind of would make life a lot easier because i just basically was like if i wait until i feel inspired to practice again it will probably be three months, four months, because I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I just, I'm in such flux with what I think about it. And it's a little bit of both, but I do, when you said that, there was something in me that from my heart just yearned for the ability to be like, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go and do that and have it not be, you know what, I am going to do that instead of this. Mm. Actually, that is a lovely way of, of doing it. Cause I think classical music anyway, has a huge problem with guilt culture. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. So the less guilt you can feel, the better, I reckon. That's interesting, actually. If you think, yeah, I reckon probably 80% of the conversation you have is about guilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what instrument, actually. Now I think about it constantly. When I'm, there's a group of us that we pretty much chat on FaceTime almost mm-hmm. daily. But a lot of it is about what we haven't done or quite managed to do and feeling bad about it. And yet we're sat there playing FIFA yeah. on the video chat. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, well, do things outside the practice room. You know, yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> Jack, what is the lesson that you are currently working on? Probably going to be quite a generic answer, I'm afraid. But it, it's just always being aware of, of where I am and being grateful for the position I'm in. And just try never to take it for granted. If you feel under pressure, you've got a lot of deadlines to me and it is getting on top of you, which it obviously can in this profession. Then normally just ask myself, is there anything else you'd rather be doing for a living? And the answer is yes, obviously no. Just like I'm mm-hmm. doing what I've wanted to do since for as long as I can remember. And the fact that I'm able to sort of make a living from doing something that's just been part of me for so long, it's just how, how can you not be grateful for that? Mm-hmm. It's just outrageously lucky. You know, it is easy, I think, with what we do to always sort of want more. You get to that stage and then you want to get to the next step and the next step. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it is easy to to always, you know, want more. But again, I think you it's sometimes really healthy just to sort of take a step back and realize where you are on that journey and to be grateful for it. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who at times have, com- have sort of complained, not just guitarists, just musicians in general, who've been in a, a far more advanced stage in their career than I am, who complain about a lot of things and, you know, say, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't get that, I should be getting, and, and all this sort of thing. And I, while some of it is justified, I, you know, so, sometimes I do just want to sit there and say, you do realise you're in like the top 5% of lucky people who are actually doing this. I think of all the people who are trying to do this and just don't get anywhere with it and have to completely change career and do something completely different. Like, and I think people don't talk about that enough, really. The people who are making a career out of yeah. it never really acknowledge it enough, in my opinion. I've never really had a conversation about it. It's always about the doom and gloom and the things that are wrong with it all, which, you know, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of problems with it, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think there's a lot we, we can be grateful for with it. And... I think if from time to time you can focus on what you do have then you'll appreciate it more and I think that's that's you know that's applicable not just to music but to life in general yeah it's good to talk about it because I think that plenty of musicians who are doing well feel guilty about 
not having things to complain about, perhaps. I mean, it would always feel a little bit strange to sit somewhere and say, no, I love what I do. Um, And I think that it's something that's ingrained enough that we really do complain a lot. I mean, I'm saying this and I also do think that there is stuff to complain about. I think really um, having the idea that it's not mutually exclusive, you can feel gratitude at the same time as feeling pressure or feeling like things are difficult. Because I think a lot of people, you know, it comes up a lot, but people who say to you like, oh, you're so lucky. And it elicits this visceral reaction from musicians when they're among each other. It's like, you're so lucky. What do you, you know, it's not easy what I do. And you think, actually, it's not easy, but it is lucky. All this stuff is lucky. And it doesn't mean you haven't worked hard. And it doesn't mean that you aren't going to continue to work hard or that there aren't going to be huge pressures. But yeah, there are are obviously a lot of things to complain about and that, that are tough. But I think it's just finding that balance between that and and being grateful for where we are. Thank you for listening to Fret Not. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and subscribe to be the first to hear each new episode as soon as it comes out. Join me in two weeks' time where I talk to American guitarist Evan Toucher about focus, the mental models of practice and practical ways to get more out of the work that you already do. 